You're listening to the Fresh Takes on Tech podcast, a show from the International Fresh Produce Association. This is a show for people interested in the intersection between technology and the produce and floral industries. Every week, we explore the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the industry. If you are interested in the innovations that create change, this is the place for you. Let's dive in. I'm Bonnie Estes, and I am your host for Fresh Takes on Tech, and we are here live at the IFPA Global Show in Orlando. And this is super exciting for me because I've never done a in-person podcast, and I've never done a live type of podcast. And so um, it's really great for all of us to be together. I think we're all excited to be together again at the show. And this is the sixth episode of my podcast that's been focused on nutrition, that's been sponsored by Pairwise. And we're here at the Pairwise booth, which is just, you can hear all the noise around and there's people everywhere very interested in what's going on here at the booth. So in uh, this conversation, we are gonna be talking about pioneering food and tech for enhanced nutrition and what's new and exciting here at the Global Show. And I'm joined today by my panel, Haven Baker, he's the CBO, Chief Business Officer of Pairwise, Jenny Dew, the Senior Vice President at Appeal, and Katie Sewell, the Chief Commercial Officer at Bowery. So welcome, great to see you all. And let's start by each of you telling us a little bit about your company and what you're showcasing here at the show. We'll start with you, Haven. Okay, great. Um, so Haven, I'm, as you mentioned, Chief Business Officer at Pairwise. Uh, our mission is to build a healthier world through better fruits and vegetables, and we're primarily doing that through CRISPR technology. So we're making uh, edits to DNA to improve varieties and make them more available, more accessible, a better flavor. And we're launching our first product here, or, or launch, publicly making it available um, under the brand Conscious Foods, our consumer-facing brand. And what we've done is we've taken mustard greens and eliminated the off flavors, the horseradish taste so that we can have a salad that has the nutrition of kale, but has the, the texture of lettuce. And so it's being served over here. Yeah, there's got free sample sign, people lined up for it. <laughs> All right, Jenny. Uh, I'm Jenny and I'm the part of the founding team in Appeal Sciences. Um, what Appeal does is we use the materials that are found in the seeds, peels, pulps of the fruits, fr uh, plants that we already eat and uh, repurpose those on the surface of fresh fruits and vegetables to create like a protective peel to help retain moisture and extend shelf life. Um, so with that extended shelf life, quality and freshness for whether, you know, consumers to enjoy longer, shippers to be able to make their long haul trips and reduce that waste. Um, that's like our first offering that we might be most known for. But today uh, here at the show, we also have a couple of new things that we're showcasing. Um, and so beyond the food waste reduction side and the shelf life extension, it's also a chance to reduce reliance on packaging, plastic packaging. Um, so with Topline Westmoreland, we have some plastic-free cucumbers, removing the shrink wrap that would normally be on the cucumbers to offer uh, that plastic-free cucumber. And also getting more into a digital like tools and technology space. So beyond just giving more time to fresh produce through our um, plant-based formulation, um, also, a way to measure how much time you have and how else you could use it. So it's like a scanner that could be used at um, like retail display 
where rather than squeezing your avocado to try to figure out what's going on and I would never do that. And, then, <laughs> and then picking up the, the avocado that's been squeezed by everybody else um, that you would be able to have this thing that basically helps you look inside it like a little optical scanning device to tell you you know how many days would you have left you know how how could you use that avocado when you actually bring it home interesting excellent and Bonnie, it's great to be here. I agree with you. The energy at IFPA is incredible. And I think there's so many tailwinds um, in front of us in terms of uh, produce and fresh. And at Bowery Farming, we are the largest indoor vertical farming company in the U.S. Uh, we are growing uh, smart farms close to the cities we serve. And core to that is technology. And we are in a completely controlled environment that enables us to grow food 365 days a year with fewer inputs in a way that's more favorable to land use, to water consumption. And we think we have a real opportunity to bring incredible flavor and nutrition back to consumers as well uh, with our process. So excited to be here and to learn more too. This is such an exciting group. Um, I don't usually get to talk to three different companies that are, I mean, you all are, are really in three different places of the supply chain and, and who you interact with and who you sell to. And so it's really interesting to, to get together with a group like this and think about technology, you know, at a higher level and, and how we serve the produce industry as technology companies is kind of at a higher level. So you're all using technology to make produce more accessible and available to consumers in the products that you have. Are we making an impact around health and nutrition? And how big a role does and can technology play? Jenny, why don't we start with you? Well, I was going to almost say, like, might start with you all, folks, because I think of it as uh, what you're able to offer really in the genetic and you know, at the seed stage, for example, whether those traits for the growers or ultimately for the end consumer to offer just like you were saying, this mustard greens with the health of kale, but you know maybe less of the the less the more off-putting elements of, of mustard greens. But then in your case, it's like bringing that freshness like closer. And then so from what appeals, offering that bit of more time, like all of those products, ensuring that they really have their way to make it all the way to the end consumer, and like how appeal fits into that. I just see us all as being different pieces of that puzzle, just like you're saying, to make ultimately produce more accessible and more available to more folks um, because it's really about consumption. You know, so like only t one in 10 Americans are really meeting their like daily intake of fresh fruits and vegetables. And so really getting this into people's hands, um, making it attractive, you know, enjoy joyful to consume. Um, I feel like that's like a big role that our companies are, are as part of that ecosystem to influence. David, how do you think Pairwise is making an impact on nutrition and health and, and the industry? Well, I, I think that it is in the beginnings, right? This this problem of not eating enough fruits and vegetables is at least 50 years old. Um, and um, But I, I at least how I experience it or my family experience is a lack of consistency in the products. So one day the strawberries are good and the next day they're, they're, they're not good or they rotted in the fridge overnight or what, whatever you bought. And, and that really puts people off um, both buying and consuming. And so I think we're all working on different aspects of making things more consistent. We're on the genetic side, making sure you start with good flavor and add, adding some other good attributes. Um, and I think the shelf life and the production piece are also really important. But the, from a nutrition point of view, I, some of these new technologies enable less compromise. So in the, the past, the focus may have only been on the farm, less the consumer, less the nutrition. I, I think 
the future is the technology is enable more of all the good benefits and less of the compromise. I would agree. I mean, I think there's so many pieces um, that we're working on that really unlock nutrition. And I do think what Jenny was saying is really key, which is if we're doing all this and the flavor's not better, the food's not safer, um, and we're and we're not enhancing the nutritional value, then it's sort of for naught. Um, and so I'm really excited about the different angles that we're coming at this with, because the truth is. We've got a nutrition deficit, not a calorie deficit, right? In the U.S., that's going global. So flavor has to become a component of this, getting people to enjoy produce um, and fresh food again, how they incorporate it into their daily lives, making it accessible. And I think what's really cool about what's going on is different companies are attacking that challenge um, from different aspects because it's going to take, there is no silver bullet here, right? It's going to take multiple solutions um, to really bend the curve here to a more nutritious future uh, for consumers when we also know resources are getting more scarce, right? Uh, if you look at the UN data, it's 10 billion people by 2050. That's not a far, far, that's not far off in terms of a time horizon. We're going to have to feed more people, more nutritious food with fewer resources. And I think each of these companies are playing a role in that ecosystem that will emerge in terms of transformation. So just quickly add to that, it's like, the nutrition part that I, as a consumer, we, you know, as individual consumers, that's like the me. But then I think to your point about like the, the macro environment from an environmental perspective, resource constraints, emissions and whatnot, it's like there's an environmental, um, like kind of second degree to that too. When we really, I guess, talk about health in like a total and holistic sense. Yeah. I think what's interesting about the three of your companies too that I just thought about was that you're, you're all a little more consumer facing than some of the other technology companies and a lot of companies I work with. And so you are going direct and, and speaking with consumers, both to get input from consumers and what they want. And then also, you know, you're marketing to consumers. So what responsibility do you feel like you have as companies, given that your technology companies and your, your, your inputs are early on in the stage, you know, especially you're very early. Um, but so what responsibility and how do you think about talking to consumers about your product around things, um, you know, like sustainability and health? That's an off script question. <laughs> Maybe I'll take this okay. first. Um, I think food, so much around food is like trust. Like you want the best and the latest tech in your phone, but that's not, I think, the relationship we have with our food. So at least from appeal, I'm really curious to hear from others. It's like earning the consumer's trust and being really transparent about what we are, what we're doing, um, because I think it's a, an unfortunate maybe backlash against maybe GMO as an example, where you have these really great technologies that can, I think, help us transform in the food system and also meet the needs and the challenges we have. But maybe depending on the approach and the way things um like just took off at the outset, it put these barriers up that's now also made um, room for just to talk about tech and food, a very sensitive topic. Um, so I feel like for us trying to develop that relationship with the consumer directly at the outset has been really important. And I think like, I think we've got um, just the values and the mission behind our companies. I think that really aligns to like how consumers want to, to choose um, you know, what they're eating and how they're kind of voting with their dollars today. So I think it's a, a different sort of generation of 
consumer that's also like emerging um, that's really looking for that as well. Um, and so I think that if we can bridge that, um, I think it's really beneficial to the adoption of, of technology in a space that I think that um, needs, needs that disruption. I agree. I mean, I think it's really important. I mean, trust and transparency is everything when you're building a brand, particularly in today's environment and with a younger generation that's even more skeptical than generations before, potentially. I also think, and this is what Je I, Jenny, what you were saying is the application of the technology is really important and who gets the benefit of it and what is the benefit. And I think consumers are starting to understand when that te technology has a benefit to them, whether it's their health, the nutrition, or to the broader environment, they're much more open um, to the use of that technology and something that's so personal as food. Is um, as we do this and, and using like new genetic techniques, and do you think there's a benefit of kind of jumping to the consumer and, and really marketing to the consumer, and then having the consumer pull it through retail? Um, there's just seems like a lot of brands are doing that now with really going to the consumer and communicating with them. Yeah, maybe a little, there's a couple of challenges there. I think one that is when you start a company, you usually have technology, but you don't have products. And um, the technology conversa conversation is complicated, right? It's hard to understand. There's lots of technologies. And so the, the better way is to really start emphasizing the products. But then you have the next problem is how do you align the whole chain? And so, and it's expensive if you start at the beginning and buy your way all the way to the end. And so, what we're trying to do is, you know, you get out there with a new product and, a, you know, a new brand and, and in these cases, and then that helps the chain align around you to get the right partners. Um, and and that, that's what also builds trust for the industry because they like, see consumer awareness and you have the right consumer data. And so, you know, and in our case, when we think about our conscious screens and we can emphasize that nutrition story, that helps, that helps partners want to be involved in the chain to, to deliver the product. And so we, we see it as a, a tool of alignment, a very capital efficient tool is alignment to get in front of the consumers first. Yeah. I was, I was gonna say, I agree. And I think that the connection with the consumer is really important. And you're gonna tell them it, different stories depending on what their customer journey is, right? The shelf can only tell so much of a story in terms of what we're doing, but I also- Or QR, yeah. Only yeah. well, gets picked up and, by so many people. <laughs> and I think retailers have a responsibility here too in terms of category creation and what does food tech um, mean or ag tech mean uh, through the customer journey. So I absolutely think, you know, we're all building brands for a very intentional reason. And within that context, retailers have a responsibility to invest in these categories and these brands as they're emerging. This season, we're focusing on nutrition and the role that produce plays. Thank you to our sponsor, Conscious Foods from Pairwise. Driven by the belief that healthy foods should be consistently fresh, delicious, and convenient, Conscious Foods is a flagship brand under Pairwise, a mission-driven company that is building a healthier world through better fruits and vegetables. Pairwise uses gene editing to accelerate innovations in consumer foods with a focus on produce. To find out more, go to ConsciousFoods.net or Pairwise.com. Shared. It's like to start right at the front of it, let's say at grower level, um, you know, folks want to say, if I'm going to make this investment or this jump, like, is there um, an assurance that someone is going to buy this product, you know? Right. And so it's kind of really like to that point around aligning the whole supply chain. It's like, 
going to, and all these different nodes of the supply chain, like, well, what's their customer and their customer and their customer? Like, are we saying that by the time we bring this to the shelf or wh whatever marketplace, that there actually is going to be a buyer or a consumer for this? I think it, it, um, alignment and maybe a de-risking because otherwise you're going to put more and more and concentrate more and more on the risk on, let's say, the grower side or the producer side where they're already <laughs> absorbing, I think, and, and carrying a lot of that load today. What? Do you have any ideas on some ways to get that supply chain alignment more? Because that really, everyone has different incentives and drivers, every point of that chain. And so I... I've had a number of conversations today with companies that are trying to digitize the supply chain and get transparency of different kinds of information. And, and, and that's one of their big topics is, well, we can work with the grower and we, and we can give, we can help them gather this data and then they have all this quality data, but then either no one else is using it or they're not set up to use it or someone else wants a different system. So I think we're, it's a theme, you know, that I'm seeing. And so any ideas on, good ways to do that or, or places where you've seen that happening? Well, I think that there's two approaches. Um, one is the economics are challenging, right? And so getting alignment. And so I think the consumer approach here is we're trying to create, create better products for consumers and that economics can translate to incent the chain. The, I think the other place you see you can see this is um, around sustainability and possibly climate change. So a surety of supply. Now, I, I think it again, it starts with, you know, a big problem that we're all trying to get alignment on that and get and get that through. But it has to be either economics or a value we can all relate to. And even then, it's still challenging because there aren't good definitions of what it's sustainable is or what true what true carbon capture is. But I think as an industry, we're working and getting there. And so I'm optimistic that we'll get alignment in those areas. I think we're very much at an inflection point where the technology is now kind of, at least I'll speak to it on the indoor vertical farming phase, we're, we're kind of past the phase one of the emergence of the industry and we're clearly going into a next phase where you're going to get scale, you're going to get more product innovation. And again, I agree, there needs to be a different, I think, mentality on the retailer side of where there's real mutual benefit, long-term, medium to long-term. Uh, this isn't a quarterly business model that we're developing. And so I think there's just continued education, continued understanding of where there's mutual benefit for more strategic alignment, medium to long term. And I think some of the macro environment today is helping become an accelerant for that because surety of supply is such a topic, whether that's coming from climate change, weather events, geopolitical events. Um, so there's starting to be a real convergence on long-term strategy and where the market is today and how do we come together and accelerate the growth. So besides your personal companies, um, what are the most excited, what are you most excited about at the show and what innovations that connect technology and nutrition have you seen or thought about? And I know a lot of you haven't had time to walk the show yet. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm taking a look around, but I mean, I'm super excited about like this group here, really, I think for the reasons we've talked about, you know, um, as far as that piece around, like, how are you really offering something unique and differentiated to the consumer to kind of engage them in with fresh produce in a different way? I think right now they kind of, you can see it as like a commodity. And so I think, I mean, maybe that sounds kind of biased because of us here, uh, but, and, and I think seeing how those things start to stitch together I'm thinking about it in a more collaborative, like a partnership sense, rather than everybody in their own silo. 
I, I guess like that coming together and integrating more uh, is the piece I guess I'm, I'm uniquely excited about. I'm excited and I'll, I'll harken back to Kathy Burns' uh, keynote of the State of the State yesterday. The fact that we are talking about Gen Z and young people and their interest in fresh and health um, is really, really exciting to me. I think this actually is a group over the next couple of years that's going to be transformational in terms of the fresh food supply system and where we can go with it. And I think in that group too, kind of have a, a more acceptance of technology or an expectation of technology. That's right. Yeah. Just to add to the innovation piece and go a different direction, I, I thought the seedless lemons were really cool. And there's some really neat peaches over here. And so I love the flavor and variety of something. Anyway, that, that's always fun to see these these new consumer innovations that are actually coming to market. I'll just maybe add an, um, a little bit of a different spin and probably because of our perspective on the food waste side. But um, there's an there's an access and like a, a matching of supply and demand that's still like a challenge. You know, so it's I'm super excited about what, we're all offering that's new, but there's still a lot of folks who don't have access yeah. still. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah. yeah. And so I think some of the things, at least from like a marketplace perspective that are being offered as well, so that whether it's the imperfect or the, you know, doesn't sort of meet one spec, but is perfectly great produce, edible, really making sure we find like a home for that. And that's related to access, but then the ripple effects to, food waste and, and the broader environmental challenges there. When you think about, you know, I don't know when Christine started Full Harvest, five, six, seven, maybe seven years, but like eight years ago, this was not a conversation about food waste and, and how do we make sure we're not losing food along the chain. Um, we can't really, we can have a little bit influence of what happens in a consumer's home, but, it, you know, through the chain, what can we do? And I that just wasn't a conversation, you know, a while back. So. That's super excited. So you're all successful startups, I would say, uh, different metrics, but um, you've raised substantial amount of money and you all have products. Um, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that kind of have a fire in their belly that they want to get involved in this food, health, um, nutrition nexus and want to start a company? What would you tell them? I, I think... The mission is so important to what we're doing and a connection and a passion around it. And I was, prior to Bowery, I was at Starbucks for 15 years. So this was a big shift for me to come to an early stage startup. And I think I hadn't realized the highs and lows that come with kind of the blood, sweat and tears and heart that go into building a company. And it is all worth it every day at the end of the day, if you are connected to the mission. And what is fantastic about that is if you have a very clear mission and vision of where you're going, you attract people um, who are just as committed uh, to that mission. And that's, that is what gets you through the, the, the good days and the not so good days. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is incredibly rewarding work. Building on the mission, it's, um, it's, you can be proud working in or serving the fresh produce industry as far as like really offering this like necessary and sort of foundational ingredient to um, everyone's like health and nutrition and well-being. Um, but then at the same time, it's like a really difficult space to actually penetrate. You know, the, the supply chain is very complex. We were just talking about this offline today. 
And so there's a, you want the mission that that's, that um, commitment to the mission is so important because we can come in almost with a naivete at the outset around our great technology and like, why wouldn't this just be like totally mopped up? And then you realize, wow, there's a lot going on behind the scenes here in a very dynamic and a very like high pressure because of the high perishability um, supply chain dynamic. And so it's not for the faint of heart, I don't think, but it is 100% work that's worth doing. <laughs> I 100% support the, the mission comment. I think we think that's really important. Maybe a little bit of practical advice. Timing matters. Um, and some people get lucky and some people seem to be good at it. But we're in a time of macroeconomic uncertainty, food inflation. And so, and I, I think that I'd be focused, if I were getting ready to start again, focusing on a rev revenue generating idea rather than a research idea. Or, or or at least have revenue within a near term timeline. I think that'll be more attractive raising capital. Then I think the the second piece is I assume you agree. It's a struggle to hire good people, and and so we have jobs that take six to nine months with the recruiter trying to fill them. And so if you're going to start a company, I'd have a pretty good sense you can get the people you need to get going because you know most companies when you start out can't afford to wait nine months to find the right person. And so that that seems to be a, a key barrier is the right people. The one thing I've heard, and it kind of, it goes a little against what you said, so I, I'd be curious what you think about it, but I, there seems to be, 10 years ago in ag, you weren't going to get the top computer scientists, you weren't going to get bioinformatics people, you weren't going to get the best engineers, and it seems, you know, as we were talking about different generations, that people are more willing to work for a mission and work for a company that, that aligns with their values more, you know, a lot of these people could go work for um, Meta or they could go to Google or they could go someplace else, but they'd rather, you know, come to a place with a mission. And is that, is that counter to what you said? No, I, I completely agree with that. And, in, and like if you're hiring scientists or programmers, I mean, there's a talent pool and they're excited about that. But if you're going to get into leafy supply team, you need a salad processing expert and there okay, might only be it. five in the world. Yeah. Right. And so you shouldn't start that business if you need that expertise, if you don't have that. And so I think that where she was getting at these, when you get in these supply chains, it gets really narrow quickly. And the type of person that will join a startup, thrive, likes the uncertainty and has the necessary expertise, that gets to be a small pools in many of these cases. Yeah, I would totally like echo that from the perspective of, because you want folks who know the supply chain um, super well, but also are open to seeing it yeah. being structured differently from how it is today. So, because you can have those experts who are more going to be insistent about like, hey, but it's got to fit sort of the status quo. And so where do you find that blend of that deep expertise, but a willingness to understand and see the friction that's going to come with the change um, but would be excited about that too, and can help you navigate that. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we're getting we're getting great talent at Bowery. It's very multidisciplinary, um, and ag tech and food tech is sexy right now. I mean, everyone's I think aware that it's having a moment, and it is I think finding this balance of honoring the experience that's in the industry and balancing that with people who have new perspectives or approaches on how to get it done and finding finding the right mix. So what problem in delivering nutritious, good produce to consumers are we not solving? And how could we solve it? I mean, I think for me, it's still, and I think we're making steps there, but access is still a challenge, right? Um, getting the produce 
at the quality it needs to be in every community that deserves it um, is still, it's, it's one of the challenges of our lifetime, right? And we talked about the, the White House Conference on Health, Hunger, and Nutrition. It had been 50 years since we had had that conversation and elevated it to a national strategy. Uh, I think we've got great energy, we've got great momentum, but we also have to do better. So every single citizen in the U.S. can have access to healthy, nutritious food and produce. That's 100% my answer. So sorry, that's not, I don't want to just like cheat out on it. But, uh, but you know, and at the same time, we have like, um, I think folks still maybe don't know how to use produce. Like, how do you prepare it? How do you consume it? And so we'll make all this I, I, I'm 100% on the access part. And once we get past that, or even with the folks who do have access today and they'll have access maybe to other selection and variety, like if folks really don't know how to prepare that and work that into their day-to-day, -day, um, we might not see the necessary uptick in consumption really that we're all like looking for too. And then you bring it back to the waste issue as well if it doesn't get used. So I, I, I experience this problem differently, and I think we, we all do, depending on our environments and where we live. But in, I have teenage girls, and my wife wants to buy kale salad or, or, or some of these, you know, brassica-infused mixes, and my kids won't eat them. And they want to eat, they want to eat Caesar salad. That's, that's the only salad they, they want, that crunchy romaine, they want it mild. And so we're never going to get there. Um, if we don't do something about the flavor. And that, that's one of the ideas behind our first product is we're, we're trying to get the, you know, bring the nutrition, but get the flavor right. And so um, I, I think that's overlooked once in a while that um, companies create these great products, but there's a wide variety of palates out there. And especially with the kids, they're really sensitive. They're bitter sensitive. They're, I mean, unfortunately, they're too much sweets as it is. And so um, we've, we've got to meet them where they are. And so what, that's one of the places we're going is how, how do we make, get sweeter foods or tastier or flavorful and less bitter, less, less odors so that we're getting those early consumers started in the right direction. Well, wrapping up, is there any one thing you want to leave listeners with about your company or about the show? I would just kind of sum up what we've talked about, which is I think it's an extraordinarily exciting time. There's clearly challenges, but with every challenge, there's an opportunity for innovation, transformation, and I think you're seeing different takes on it uh, broadly at the at the show and on this uh, during this discussion. So it's just an incredibly exciting time to be a part of Fresh. I think uh, definitely from that perspective of like sometimes it takes a crisis. Probably to your earlier question, Bonnie, about like how do we really get the change, and so this is probably the environment in which you know, we'll have a chance at that. But maybe my, my point to this question in particular is, um, like, SpaceX can fire these rockets and re-land them on the launch pads. And then you see what that James Webb telescope is, like, bringing back. Like, we are capable <laughs> of doing incredible things. And so I think it's almost this perspective that it's, like, it should be unacceptable that we don't, change and transform our food systems to a greater extent uh, that's a that's a great message um maybe one learning for me that you know and i've been around produce now for 15 years but i'm there there is a lot of mainstream retail um 
growers, they're interested in technology and solutions. So this is the most interest I've ever seen in the industry. And it's exciting. And I think that there's, uh, people are looking for new solutions. I think we have real challenges that we've discussed, but I think that we're on the right path with technology. And I, and I think even credit you, Bonnie, and the IFPA and some of these organizations are, we're, I think we've got as good a shot as we ever have of making a difference. And I, I hope that, you know, the companies we represent and many others can be successful in, in improving the food chain. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. I think this is such a, I mean, I'm really optimistic about what what technology can do and how technology is accepted and how we are reinventing the food system. And it's not going to happen at the snap of the fingers, but I think with smart minds and companies like the three of yours, you know, I think we're really making an impact. So thank you very much for the conversation and thank you for your work. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.